If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 426 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the William O'Donoghue of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonnell, as we talk about a busy week, as it always is, in the world of mixed martial arts. Before we get into all of that, though, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to unleash the beach beast within you. This summer, Manscaped is here to help you uh, level up your beach game with their new Beard Hedger pro kit it's absolutely brilliant it's everything that you're going uh, to need uh, i decided it's time to put my best face forward and maybe do you know what you should too do the exact same as we saw it's summer let the beach balls bounce turn heads all over the place go to manscaped.com and use the code severe mma for 20 percent off and free shipping i actually had a friend of mine message me there yesterday here sean do you still have the, the Manscaped code? I'm going to get this new be- uh, Beard Hedger. And I was like, do you know what, JJ? We do. Severe MMA. 20 hair cutting lengths the pro kit has. It's absolutely unbelievable. One guard. No longer this, you know, this all this rubbish of messy drawers and, you know, add-ons all over the place. It's waterproof. You can use it in the shower. Titanium coated T-blade. It's, it's tough, but smooth on your face. Single stroke efficiency. Satisfaction. That's what you get from this. It doesn't end there, though. They've created four dermatologically tested formulations for your post-trim uh, care as well. First of all, the beard shampoo and conditioner, which I use all the time. Um, I actually I ran out of it there the other day, and I used something else. And my hair just, like, was terrible after. Like, I'm not even joking. And I got my new, uh, my new Manscaped uh, shampoo and conditioner, and it's, it's different gravy. Like, your hair is different, and it's... It, you need good stuff, and that is very, very good stuff. They have the beard oil as well. Relieves dryness um, on both the beard and the skin beneath it with a little shimmer, little shine on it. And in the beard balm as well, it's a pomade, pomade which shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look that everyone wants. You know, so the Pro Beard Kit also comes with three gifts, a beard brush, a comb, and scissors to ensure your beard it's ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMMANSCAPE.com. 20% off, 20% off, 20% off, 20% off. With free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code SevereMANSCAPE. Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lints. Also, when you're finished doing that, why don't you head on over to our friends over at CalderaLab.com and enjoy 20% off of their pro- best products as well, using that promo code severe MMA because I mentioned first, the first impressions do matter. There's no two ways around it, and your face is the most likely first thing that someone will notice about you. You need you need good skin, you know. It, 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 good skin will give a good impression, and it's time 
to get that good skin with our friends over at Caldera Lab. So go there, calderalab.com. Use the promo code SEVERAMA for 20% off their best uh, products. Um, Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen is your twice-a-day formula to, uh, to transform your skin. And the best part, it's really, really easy. It takes less than 30 seconds in the morning, 30 seconds at night, and a little time for huge benefits in compounding interest I can get behind all day long. Just like brushing your teeth, the impact may not be immediately apparent, but take a look at someone who hasn't brushed for a week. The difference is striking, isn't it? These products simply work for you. A week into using, you'll see noticeable differences. Now to the fun stuff. What Caldera um, uh, products offer, let me tell you. First off, the clean slate starts uh, and ends your day. Face wash leaves your skin all types of refreshed and you'll need the base layer right after to moisturize and hydrate your skin. Even better, abs- absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish to start your day confidently. Then the good is your go-to at night. Um, it's a face serum to round it all out. The clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility and fine lines the visibility of wrinkles even of fine lines uh want to take things step further the icon this is absolutely brilliant uh, for me someone who's always up late at night you know you need that bit of eye serum it helps address the three most common concerns around the eye fine lines dark circles and puffiness caldera lab made a top tier ingredients and is legit showstopper like peter queely that is good for your today and the long run take 30 seconds in the morning and 30 seconds at night trust me it's about time i got my skincare unlocked for the better doesn't get easier than this so our call to action today get 20 percent off using our code severe mma caldera lab.com that's 20 percent off at caldera lab.com using the code severe mma jump into skin and first impression royalty with caldera lab right graham let's get straight into the old fights there how are you are you good did you enjoy uh we had ufc london each cage warriors london and all of that did you have a good time did you enjoy it you did yeah no it's good it is a bit strange though like i know it's 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 uh usual for like americans that we get used to the night but it is a bit strange having it during the day and and all evening uh, uh you know but it's a welcome change but it is a bit kind of uh different feeling or something i don't know it's a different i mean a different mindset when it's when it's yeah. this early it it's very weird I, I think this one wasn't too bad because there was no big sport on then um, maybe it was golf or something on, but there was no man united match no liverpool match although there's a friendly on at the moment but there was no hurling today you know it's going to be on tomorrow no gaily football or anything like that so it's a little bit different like i hate when it like clashes with the you know the saturday evening match or something but even still it's you feel like you feel like we're only starting to watch the UFC. we're recording this at 22 minutes past 11 here on saturday night and it's like well now's our time to start our job kind of for the weekend on it's yeah it is it is very odd but I, I, it's weird because like I'm used to it with the Cage Warriors cards, and I've no problem with them on a, like a Friday yeah, night. I was whatever. just thinking that even with Bellator and stuff, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. It's just the UFC has just been for so many years. It's just been like set in my mind or in my in my routine that you know it's into the night. Yeah, it is, and it I I don't know. I suppose it's just what we're used to now, and <laughs> it it'd be weird. Uh, I was actually thinking about it the other day. Do you know the way like the Saudis are buying out soccer now, and like I I was listening to second captains the other day, and they were saying like the Saudi league could really be the second biggest league in the world within like within a decade, and even quicker than that possibly. Like imagine if that happened with MMA. Like you know someone decided right next thing we're going to go for is MMA, and they started buying out all the contracts of fight 
fighters and stuff and our uh, our MMA was changed to be uh, starting at five o'clock all the time, whether, you know, wherever it might be. I think, I don't know. I don't know whether I'll be able to cope with that, Graham. I, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd like it. I like MMA on a little bit later. I'm a fucking, I don't know, my masochist or something that <laughs> staying up late all the time. But I think we're just creatures of routine. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, humans in general, you, you don't really notice that you're in such a routine until um, until it's, like, changed. But, you know, uh, we should be used to it with Cage Warriors, with, like, you know, Bellator, as I mentioned, other shows, KSW, but... For some reason, it just does seem a bit strange. But maybe you know, uh, because there was, because there was, um, you know, so many fights on that it's it's also maybe started a bit earlier than maybe those other cards would start as well. Like five o'clock is a quite early start. Like usually, you kind of see doors at half five or six, and maybe first fight half six seven. Uh, on Irish shows anyway. So yeah, uh, as you said though, you know, it would be a, a different. Um, kind of problem if there was you know during a Premier League season or you know even if there was a, a rugby match on or something like that so they probably they probably chose it for that for that reason to get as many eyeballs as possible and you know it being on Virgin Media for, for the live for the first time I'm, I'm very interested to see what numbers they do um obviously they had it before years ago when they were called uh 3E but it's the first time in a long time so I'm, I'm interested to see how it does all play out and you know people who are missing sport and maybe wouldn't be that into the UFC and maybe see oh, an Irish girl and, Sh- and Shauna's fighting and a few a few local people and you know maybe a couple of people they've heard of as well uh, so yeah I'm very interested to see uh, how how it's going to all work out and you know uh, what the kind of the, the engagement and interest uh, in this event was yeah it, it was odd because at the event itself I don't think there's been, say, a UK or Irish event for, you know, let's say a big Bellator card or a big UFC card. Um, well, a big Bellator card in Ireland, anyway. So that has been maybe as, as quiet as that one tonight. Like, he, Andy was over there and he was saying it was about 85% full and it looked that on TV as well. But even, like, they showed Paddy Pimble on TV and uh, on the big screen and there, there was, like, no roar for him much, you know, and maybe that's Paddy more. But there was loads of other people, like Deli Alley came up and a few more and... They, I don't know. The crowd didn't seem that into it, but as you were saying, Graham, as well, I'm looking at your 15 fights. We've been been at events where there's a lot of fights, and it does it does drain you. Like especially, you know, a, a lot of the, the the people in maybe Ireland or England went early, went for the, the points early. You know, maybe you know rather than showing up for the fights at five o'clock, maybe they met their mates at twelve, went for a few beers before, watched a bit of the you know the, the golf maybe, or watched whatever was on TV and then headed in. And by the time it it comes to like half nine, ten o'clock, you've been on the beer for eight nine hours. Like it's it's not easy to keep that going. So yeah, I I think as well, just on on like the broadcast and stuff. I I I kind of was looking to see how could I watch this without seeing the English uh, TNT broadcast thing on it. And by the time I got around to uh, to actually going back and putting on Virgin or whatever, it was already over and I didn't see any of it. So that was absolutely fantastic. But like uh, this TNT has changed again. Like uh, nobody wants an English broadcast team. Like I-, I speak for all MMA fans. I can genuinely say that when we just want the American broadcast, just give us that and give us absolutely nothing else. We're absolutely fine with that. No problem. If you want to do a pre-show or a post-show that's not connected with it, 
by all means bring in whatever boxing journalists you want to do to do that no problem work away and even like I know you were sending the clip as well they had a lad they kind of rolled him out on, um, uh, on Virgin Media as well a lad who knew nothing about MMA it's, I, I hate those sort of things like MMA fans don't like those sort of things when there's like you know spoofers being brought out and I'm not necessarily saying the lads on TNT but um, like Caroline Pierce has been around now for a good while and stuff like that but the, this lad on Virgin Media I, was, I don't know it's it just feel, it still feels with MMA. It's all a bit, you know. We we'll throw it in there and ah look, we'll have this lad re- read Wikipedia for thirty seconds and it's all well and good, Graham. I just, we're, we're still that, aren't we? We're still the, well, yeah. the broken down like, little child. Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually see the BT coverage because I watched it on on Virgin Media, but they kept you know taking ad breaks during the middle of uh, rounds or not during the middle of uh, the end of rounds, you know, the minute round. And they'd come back like 10, 15 seconds late and you'd miss like the first 10, 15 seconds of the round. It's just like, come on, lads. This, this isn't that difficult. Like one minute, come on. Like, I know they haven't, it's the first time in a long time or the first time under the Virgin name and banner or whatever showing up. But that was just, you know, annoying. Like, luckily there was no like big, well, maybe there was, but there was no like, you know, knockouts anyway or finishes in them, in them at the start of rounds. But it's just annoying. You want to see the the full the full fights. Yeah, you do, and uh, that's been a problem for <laughs> for ages. It's tough to do MMA though. I really think like. I was thinking tonight, li- listening to John Gooden, who's so brilliant, and you know, listening to listening to guys who do the play by play. You can't hide reality, right? So you listen to John Gooden, and you know. He is a diehard MMA fan. You listen to Brad Wharton and you know he lives and breathes it. You listen to John Anik and you know he's been living and breathing it for, what, 15 years or something like that. You just know it, like. And when you're an MMA fan, you know that. Everyone listening to this podcast right now knows exactly what I mean. Like, you can, everyone has had that chat with someone and they say, oh, what are you doing, or what are you doing tonight, and go, oh, I'm watching the fights, and in the chat with you about the fights, and you know that they haven't the clue. <laughs> everyone, everyone listening to this podcast has either had that chat, or they will have that chat, right? And I, that's that's what these broadcasts are missing. They need someone. They need a, do you know what they need? They need a Sean Dinny to just stand behind them and go, here, no, actually, lads, we wouldn't say that. We'd say this, or we'd do this. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't cut off Molly McCann's walkout. We wouldn't cut off the first 10 seconds of a round. You know, or they need you, Graham, or they need me, or they need whatever MMA for anyone listening to this podcast. And they always kind of miss that. They always kind of miss that. And, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it, it was great to have it on Virgin Media. I know even my father was watching it, and he was like, uh, you know, he turned it on Virgin Media, and he would usually like other oh, fights, and he'd be flicking through, and he'd see, you know, BT Sport or whatever it would be, um, and he just put it on Virgin Media because he's been seeing it all week after fucking Judge Judy and the the five thirty news and stuff like that, you know. So it was good in that, and you know, um, he mentioned others, oh, an Irish girl fighting, and this uh, he said it to me before I even knew it was uh, going to be on um, Virgin Media. So that is really good. I know we're giving out about it a bit but the Virgin Media part very good the TNT part with now obviously change over from BT to TNT is, is, is a bit weird but we'll, we'll get over that too but I think I think it was the event in all we, I, I got a question about it on the Q&A last week and we briefly mentioned I think here as well but like the and I, I put a tweet up and everyone replying was saying about this the price gouge and the insane price of tickets is a massive reason why people weren't there 
And I think that's it. I I wonder as well, like, is part of it why they weren't as excited as they were? Is the price of tickets? Like, I've paid this amount of money, and I, I saw a lot of people, like... Uh, and I, I find it actually hard to decipher what's a good and bad card these days but I saw loads of people saying here's a finally a bad card that turned out to be a really bad card type of thing I saw Kaposa saying it and Mookie Alexander and a few more as well and I wonder where the people there uh, who paid their fucking 250 quid or whatever it was thinking I'm after paying 250 quid here I could have gone to see fucking three Arsenal games or I could have gone to see a trip up to see Liverpool or I could have fucking f- flown out to Portugal for two, two weeks for the price of this yet I'm here and I'm watching fucking uh johnny parsons versus danny roberts you know it's, it's a tough one it is a tough one you know and dana white has always said that i'm uh you know or vince mcmahon has said it or whoever like the, uh, the the competition isn't the other sports the competition is what what's on the cinema tonight or you know <laughs> who's going on all yeah. do, you, do you think it was a mistake by the ufc to not have like an english lad like in the first kind of you know five or six fights you know uh, chris duncan was obviously in there but he's a Scottish lad, you know. The first actual English lad fighting was the sixth fight. That's very Park, true. And yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, I could see if if even if the if the UFC put on a show in Dublin and they put a bunch of you know non-Irish in the first five or six fights, I could see people coming in late, you know, staying in the pub for an extra point or two. So, yeah, it's uh, I think that was a mistake, you know. When you have so many, when you have so many fights, you're you know, obviously you don't have that many. Uh, English lads to to fill the card out, but you know, just throw one maybe in the the second fight or the third fight and get people in there a little bit earlier, get the atmosphere going. Uh, I think that probably would would have helped. Yeah. But um, you know, Andy Stevenson was there for severe MMA. Maybe hear his thoughts on how the atmosphere was. But you know, even when during the walk-ins, you could see how many empty seats there were everywhere, and mm. yeah, it's just it kind of takes away from that big event feel as well when you see so many empty seats uh, and it's not just like you know the very first fight of the night yeah and i think as well the fact that like i i'm not i'm not taking away anything for from these guys the likes of jai herbert paul craig nathaniel wood those were three of the top five guys on the card in terms of of the the british guys like none of them are really big stars per se. Well, like in let's say in Ireland, if Brian Moore was walking out, no, he might be a big star in the worldwide stage. But when he walks out and he walks out to the Wild Rover or whatever, there's a big, you know, a big atmosphere. When Peter Queeley walks out, there's big. When Sinead Kavanaugh walks out, if it was Key for Crosby, and yeah, he might like have. Like Hulan walked out in UC Dublin the first the first Massive. fight of the night. You know, yeah. his de- debut. The place was filled out. You know, everybody was invested. Everybody was going crazy like it was the main event. You know, that's that's what you need to yeah. create. Get that. Get that kind of buzz going, and you get that by either having said there was a bit of it from Ali. Obviously, if Paddy was there, he was injured, he couldn't have it. But you could get it for someone who's like a top ranked fighter, like say an Arnold Allen. But also, like let's say they had a Max Holloway on the card or something like that. People like Yoel Romero when he came and, and fought in Ireland, people were all loving it. You know, it was a big buzz when you all. They didn't have anything like that. Like even the main event per se. Like Aspen, a very good fighter, and they like him and everything. But like. I don't know, it just felt like the whole card, they didn't have any of that, and, you know, we, we talked about it last week, and I went through it, and I was like, ah, oh, it's not a great card, and then I went through the fighters, like, some good fighters and some good fights, and it turned, you know, it turned out to be that way, but, like, it was just, it was like, it was just a fine card, like, it was, it was fine, it was grand, like, you know, and... You're you're in London. I, I just don't think that's enough. But anyway, let's let's get into it. We, enough of our complaining now. We actually haven't done that and actually just complained about a card for like twenty minutes. Just before <laughs> we move on, has the the BT poetry made you feel a new appreciation for Daniel Cormier and the boys? I actually didn't hear any of it. Um, uh, the second I saw it coming on, 
I was like, oh, fuck that. I'm just going to find some other way of watching this. I'm going to go see if it's on Fight Pass or, you know, wherever. And um, or, or go and look on, on Virgin Media. And I went down and I went down and I got a can of Coke or something. I came back. And by the time... didn't even give the lads a chance. No, the, I gave them a chance before. Them and he didn't even give them a chance. I didn't it's even mention their awful names. Stuff. I, say, awful I stuff. didn't say nothing about them. They're, I'm sure they're lovely lads, whatever, whoever they are. But like, uh, yeah, no one wants to see that. Like, no one does want to see it. Anyway. Tommy Aspinall, Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall. He he did good. He came in 63, 73 seconds. What, 70, oh God, now. seventy-three. That was I just said seventy-three. Limerick are playing the All yeah. Ireland tomorrow. Oh Jesus! That's, is that a sign? <laughs> anyway, yeah. He, Coming back think? off like a serious injury, you know, uh, a lot of pressure on. Uh, you know, uh, obviously. You know, he's a lot more talented than Tybura, but you can you can beat people and you can beat the shit out of people. And he beat the shit out of Tybura, like, and he did it in a, a classy, smooth, flowy way. Didn't have any jitter. Didn't show any ring rust. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, very, very dominant performance, and you know, pretty ideal. You know, uh, get in there, get the finish, knee holes up, no problems like that. Uh, yeah, pretty perfect night for Tom Aspinall. Yeah, it was it was one of those fights where you're you're watching Aspinall and you're thinking, well, this could be a, a real potential banana skin. And you're like, you know, Tabora's not not a great fighter, but he's not a bad fighter. And if you're not at a hundred percent, you know, he could cause you problems. And I saw a few different people talking about like, you know, maybe Tabora's a good bet here. And even like I was looking at the betting show, I was kind of like, maybe I'll avoid this and see what way Aspinall looked. But as you said, Graham, he like I just came in and and took the fight, took the bull by the horns and, and just decimated him, really walked forward, didn't care about his shots, threw the right hand straight down the middle. Now, it's one of those ones, right, where it was the same a little bit with John Jones, who he talked about afterwards. When he came back and he did a similar thing to Gagne, obviously in a different way, uh, but similarly kind of destroyed him. And it's like, that was great, but like, how much do we actually learn from this? And as I was um, analysing this on the way into it, I was actually I, I I picked I picked the over around and a half in this, which was completely wrong. And and my analysis kind of coming into it was like we actually haven't seen that much of Aspinall at the very top level. Like like uh, like Jones, we haven't seen too much of him at heavyweight at the top level. Now we've seen a lot of him uh, at light heavyweight, but it's like when we when you haven't seen that much and a similar thing happened to McGregor was always the talk with him because we hadn't seen that much of him he was knocking kind of everyone out and around and everything like that and then he'd 15 minutes when, when, when guys are winning so easily yeah. you know like Aspinall has that's it, what I was say. they don't get enough credit do they it gives you the confidence that they can step up you know uh, yeah. and hang with them but as you said you don't actually know that until it happens you know you, you can assume a lot but in MMA you know it all happens nothing happens on paper it all happens in the cage and stepping up against these guys especially at heavyweight they, they do have power you can be you know dominating the fight you can be doing everything smoothly you can be you can be picking a guy off and get hit with one big shot and that can change everything so you know uh, Francis Ngannou isn't around anymore he was the biggest hitter but there's still a lot of big hitters around and you know um, obviously Aspinall's a, a massive prospect even if you can you, you can still call him a prospect he's like you know, you probably still can't call. You probably still can because we haven't, you know, as you said, we haven't seen him against the the very top guys. But you know, we're looking at you know a heavyweight division that's probably the even even you know obviously Francis being there will, will be a big help. But even without Francis there, it's looking the healthiest it's looked in a while. 
because of people like Aspinall coming up and you know fresh matchups and John Jones being in there and making it more exciting and stuff. It's a, it's an exciting time for the, the heavyweight division and obviously Tom Aspinall. He, this is a huge win, but after such an injury, I'd still. I'd still take the slow road. I wouldn't be trying to rush in there against any of the top guys. I'd be just kind of maybe one more at least, if not two more kind of showcasey ones, stepping up a little bit, but not going not going into the top the top three, four, five yet. Because there is no rush, you know. Uh, at heavyweight, the the kind of longevity is longer than in the, other, in the other divisions, especially in the lighter divisions. And, um, you know, Tom Ospinall can sell... Uh, for the UFC in in you know European shows and in main eventing in 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 England and the UK and stuff like that, so I'd say they probably will take the slow road with him because you know um, uh, John Jones is there. Maybe if John Jones, uh, you know, there's talk about retirement going on here, maybe that will change things. I don't really believe you know See, we talk about MMA retirements uh, all the time, but afterwards Aspinall called out. He said Spivak and Gagne are fighting afterwards, and he's going to be in yeah. Paris around and fight the winner. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I like. Uh, I'd love to see it, but I. I for Aspinall and for kind of cultivating him, I'd say you wait, you wait another one first. That's what I do ideally. I know I'm always kind of take the slow road, take the slow road, but coming off such a, you know, it's not an ACL injury, but it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty serious knee injury. And, um, yeah, I think, I think another fight, like, yeah. if it was Spivak, you know, he, he went in there and win in, you know, a minute 13 is, he, if he takes another fight, he'd probably go and win there. It'd just be another camp behind him, more trust in that leg, that knee, uh, more time to develop. You know, he's still early in his career. He's got 15 fights, but he's still like, you know, um, he's still not as experienced maybe as, as some of the other guys at the very top. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be rushing in, but obviously, if he's calling for it, um, he thinks he's ready, and will the UFC do it? I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, yeah. ideally, as I said, I'd, I'd, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing into anything like that. I, I find it weird to analyze Aspinall because we, fe- I feel like we've been saying they need to take it slowly for about five fights now, like which is, you know, at some stage we're like, yeah. they well, if, he had, if, he, if he had have gone in and beaten Curtis Blades and it hadn't have kind of gone with the knee injury, it would be a different story. But because of the knee injury and because of how good a prospect he is, I, I don't think you take the, the risk even of like putting him in there now. I think you. You just you just give him another fight. Yeah, I I actually I wouldn't disagree at all. Like, um, I think I I've always gone back and forth on Aspinall. I I obviously think he's a very good fighter, but I I still think if you look at the guys at the top of that division now, it's kind of slightly changed, I suppose, over the last year or so. Like you look at it was at the time Gagne and uh, and Francis. And, like, is his striking going to be able to live with him? Let's say Francis came back. Like, that's going to be an issue. Is his wrestling good enough to beat both of them? You know, maybe he's very good on the ground. Like, he's good jiu-jitsu and I need jiu-jitsu black belt, I think, and I'll... But, like, then you think about John Jones. Now, you could say that about anyone with John Jones. But, like, if you're fighting John Jones, as you said, they're gonna, you need to be ready. You need to be more than ready. And as a guy who hasn't put in rounds after rounds after rounds... Who like he's never gone? I'm just looking here. He's never gone to a third round. I'm pretty sure. No, he hasn't. He's never. He's like he's never gone to a second round in the UFC. Uh, sorry, one, once he went to a second round in the UFC against Andrzej Arlovski, and that ended, you know, only a minute into the second round. Like 
I don't know, it feels like you need a three-round fight or a five-round fight in there to prepare you to be your best against John Jones. And it's grand, like, maybe you'll find out you're well able for five rounds against John Jones when you get there, but what if you don't? It feels like an awful rush. And, like, the problem there as well is, like, who is going to give you that? So maybe, let's say he did fight Ganya next, and it, they did go four or five rounds. Maybe that, would that be the test, Graham? Like, I think... Like with, there was a fight last night. Uh, uh, one of the Irish fighters, Takamandu, fought, and um, it's obviously at a completely different level. But he he lost a couple of fights, and he ended up winning this one. But still, he he was in there against a guy who really he shouldn't have been in there against. He was just levels and levels above him. And it's like the win will do him good, but like will just kind of destroying a guy do him any good in the long run? And I'm like, sometimes, and I. And I I, I think there's a place for that sometimes in MMA, right? But you also need the experience of beating guys along the way. We talked about it with Reese last week. If he goes in there and beats the guy on his way in now, and then the next guy and the next guy, you'll improve after every one of them fights and come on after every one of them fights. And as you said, Graham, look, he's putting in camps and he's improving through each one of them camps, I'm sure. But there's nothing like being actually in there and doing it against the guy at a certain level. Like he could beat the likes of Tibora for the next three fights but would it bring him on say would it bring him on as much as going three and a half four rounds against Ganya or let's say if he had fought Blades and uh, Blades took him down in the first two rounds and maybe he knocked him out in the third and showed his cardio or something like that it would have brought him on a little bit more like is I think it's, a, it's do you think it's probably the time to do that next like wouldn't and like the Ganya one Blades again that. maybe, maybe or, Ganya. or Ganya either one Blade, but I think Blades is set to fight Jelton Almeida but that's not till November so you could you know I don't think anybody's going to be too sad if you pull that apart yeah that's what I mean mm. or sorry again oh yeah sorry yeah Almeida yeah you could do that like if you're going to break, break up that Almeida um Blades fight though you probably want to make the rematch uh, with Blades and Blades can offer kind of more questions in terms of you know, he offers a bit of takedown threat as well as being heavy-handed. But, like, I do see, you know, Tomas Fennell going through Curtis Blades pretty pretty handily. But, I, you know, uh, as I said earlier, I'd like, I'd like to see him put in that camp. Like, if you're going to be fighting somebody like John Jones, you know, you, as you said, you got to be at the, at the sharpest you can be. And John Jones is going to be, like, oblique kicking that leg. Like, John Jones is going to know you came back off of the injury. He's going to be oblique kicking that knee. He's going to be he's gonna be making it hell for you. Like, and... And you know he's the he's the most difficult matchup in the division. So it just for for me strategically, it would just make sense to to give it a little bit of time before that, and not to be in any rush. But the thing with John Jones is maybe if you wait too long, you don't get to fight him. Maybe he'll be gone. Maybe you know with John Jones, you don't know what's going on. Like you know anything could happen. So there's also that where if you don't if you don't get there now, you you don't know how the landscape's going to change. So. Yeah, from, from Tom Aspinall's point of view, I'm sure, like from from his call out that he's he's looking at you know positioning himself for a title. So you know after that performance, we'll see what Dana White says in the the post fight uh, media scrum or whatever. But yeah, I'd say if I had to bet, they probably will put him in put him in a, a big time fight that will line him up for contendership. Yeah, and that Paris card isn't too far away, so maybe we could uh we could see him there and we could see him fighting the winner of that. And, you know, or we could see him over in the States next, maybe, I think. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, let's say if he fights the winner of the Paris card, he could fight him in the States. You know, maybe MSG towards the end of the year or something like that. I think that might be a way of doing it. But yeah, exciting times. And like, as I said there earlier, making the point, sometimes lads don't get enough credit for devastating wins like that. And I definitely think he deserves it. Like I've been... 
I'm not harsh on Aspinall, but maybe I haven't given him the credit he deserves. He's a very, very good fighter. And, you know, it's 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 easy to say, ah, oh, Jesus, he'll never get to that level because the lads at the top are very good. But, you know, sometimes lads are, are just as good and they sneak up and then become a little bit better and a little bit better, a little bit better, while other lads are kind of tapering off maybe towards the end of their career or have hit a wall or something like that. And quickly, one lad is a 10 and the other lad's at, at 7 and then the other lad's at 10 and the other lad's at 9 maybe. And, you know, that's, that's that. Yeah, well, to me, Aspinall hasn't shown any signs that he isn't that he doesn't have the ability oh, but it's just that yeah. the questions just haven't been answered yet because he's he's sure. disposed of his opponent so quickly and so easily barred uh, obviously in the UFC run obviously barred any injury that, that that you know made him officially lose to, to Curtis Blades but yeah I think um, like if you know the, the British people the English people should be very excited about Tom Aspinall and you know he maybe like you know if if uh, the TV deals coming up you know Sky could be looking at, or we have a heavyweight contender here that could play a factor in in Sky Sports. You know, maybe changing their stance on not wanting MMA and the fact that like live sport is kind of the only the only um, uh, programming that does big numbers for these big corporations like B Sky B and stuff like that will play into it. And the WWE being owned by the same people and all that stuff. So you know, it could be um, it could be with uh, the UFC's interest to to make Tom Aspinall as big a star as they can and put a little push behind him. We haven't really seen the UFC do that uh, a lot in recent years. It's kind of like you kind of have to make your own way, but it may, it probably would be in their in their best interest to do that. So, yeah. yeah, you know, with the TV deal in Ireland, it's great. We, we'll see how long it lasts, you know, see how successful it is and things like that. But TNT Sports and BT Sport have been great. It's been great, like, for the sport, having them on that. But... It, it doesn't it, it just pales in comparison to the exposure and the excitement yeah. that Sky Sports Sky Sports News uh, particularly can can create so it would be different yeah. it would be totally different wouldn't it like and I I'd, I wonder like seriously like people like I, I make this joke before but like people yeah. actually were very excited and thought it was an important boxing ma- match when a retired cricketer who had to retire due to a knee injury Freddie Flintoff was exhibition boxing some guy I can't even remember and people were like yeah. messaging being like oh when is this Freddie Flintoff bo- uh, match on or fight on, um, like because Sky Sports News had you know been hyping it up, so like they really do have a huge reach, and people will just have it on in the background, and it'll just kind of be like a fixture in, in sports fans' lives, and you know, uh, with BT Sports that just doesn't exist. It or a TNT sports. No, and it, it never will either because it, it it's basically a subscription behind a subscription type of thing. So it's not, yeah, it, it can't be that. It, look, they've done great, but it, they can't. Uh, another point as well, just quickly, and this maybe something we'll talk about in the Q and A, maybe more if, if someone wants to ask. But like WWE and UFC are, are the, the the same company now, um, and just at the moment with WWE, and, and uh, you know this is part of all of this so I'm not going in talking about wrestling or anything but at the moment there, there's like a bit of a war going on between them and AEW the other wrestling company and AEW in I think in the next couple of weeks are running Wembley Stadium and they've sold like I don't know 60,000 seats or something which is absolutely massive for them you know it's not filling out but they're you know they're not ma- they're not far from from filling it out I don't think but um WWE ran a show a couple of weeks ago um, in just in the O2 Arena or wherever, and then they had, like, they like brought out John Cena or whatever, and they were like, "Oh, we'd love to bring WrestleMania to the UK," and I think they want to do that because AEW are doing it. And, you know, they don't want them to win anyway. That's what Vince McMahon has done for years. Then we know Dana White has done it as well. So I wonder will that play a part into it as well? As you said, Graham, like TV deals coming up are a big part of it. If they have a big, massive Wembley WrestleMania coming up. 
you know, I'm sure Sky Sports will want to be part of that. Maybe people are thinking, ah, oh, it's only fake wrestling. But the numbers it drives and all, and, <clears throat> you know, if they're doing more shows in the UK to kind of stop AEW from doing it, that'll be more, um, you know, primetime shows in um, uh, in the UK for Sky to put on. As you said, live programming is very hard to get on. And if they have that relationship with the same company, and you could say the UFC do a lot, uh, you know, and, and we'll probably be doing more, probably could do more prime time European time shows. It could be something that would entice Sky into signing up for the UFC as well as the WWE. So I think it's it's that's all something now that'll probably take a couple of years to work out. But I think it's an interesting space to just watch, have a think about, and if you see anything happen, kind of realize this is there's a lot of layers to this. You know, there's a lot of different parts of it. And there's a lot of different, um, uh, you know, wars to be won. And even you see MVP was on the screen tonight, showed by the UFC. You know, so um, I wonder, uh, I wonder if he'll be getting signed up. But I don't know if they'll pay the money for that. But anyway, maybe we'll talk more about MVP in a few minutes. Um, let's talk about Shauna Bannon, Graham. Um. Obviously, she went into her fight. She was the second fight on the card against uh, Bruno Brazil, uh, and it was a it was a tough fight for uh, for Shauna. Um, she came out in the um, in the first round, and it was to me it just seemed all a little bit rushed. No setups. Brazil was kind of landing her right hand at will, landed a few head ga- head kicks, and Bannon's face was reddening up a bit. You know, kind of the same in the second early, and then there was kind of a long clinch, and I think that kind of helped Shauna kind of come back into it a little bit more. She was kind of winning in the clinch, but Brazil probably had done enough at the start of that round. Uh, she got a late takedown as well, which didn't make much difference. But in the third, Shauna had settled, and you could see she was setting up things better and landing her jab and landing a few good shots. And now instead of her being the one that's face was getting reddened up and her being the one that was taking the shots, it was Brazil. And Brazil did get a late takedown, but Shauna definitely won that third round um the judges were actually split on rounds two and three so you know technically shauna could have gotten the win because she you know you know if a couple of judges had, had changed around their mind even on, on round three but um she didn't and, and i think fairly so I, I had brazil i think brazil won uh 29 28 but to me graham and I, I don't know how you feel i feel look the first thing we said a couple of weeks ago when Shauna was signed was like, is it too quick? Is it too soon? For only five fights into her career. And I think a little bit of that played out, right? And that's not to make an excuse or anything like that because it wasn't an excuse because we said it, we said it beforehand, but myself and Harry do a podcast about this all the time over on Speaker's Corner on our Patreon. If you're not signed up, please do patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And we talk about experience in MMA. We've probably done three podcasts on it and how much it matters and how much like, even Brazil had one fight in the UFC and one contender series fight. That sort of experience matters. Like, Shauna's never fought in front of more than a couple of hundred people. She's never had that big three arena fight. She's never had even the big Invicta title fight. She wasn't able to get there yet. And because of her, her talent, her clear talent and her star power and all of that, they assigned her and they signed her too early. Like, if this was three or four fights down the line, and she had fought maybe a big three arena fight or, you know, she was an Invicta champion and she got over that hurdle and she had two or three more camps. Maybe she would she would have turned from a 29-28 against her to a 29-28 for her. And, you know, it's, I saw a few people like online, you all obviously, like, oh, sure, she's useless, you know. Like, it doesn't take much to turn that fight around, if we're being honest. She's very, very young in her career. Very young in her career. It wasn't a great performance in the first two rounds, especially. But this is sort of fight that you go back and you look at. 
and maybe the preparation is all. I know she was out in Poland a couple of weeks beforehand and she was going over to Liverpool the week before and it's all very Russian and it has to be, you know, you've a young lad at home as well. How can it not be rushed? But maybe that's something she looks at as well in, in the future that, you know, the, the preparation, especially close to the fight, has to be more insular maybe. Um, you know, you stay with Paddy for the last month and you do nothing but that or whatever it might be. But, you know, it was it was tough. A learning experience, Graham. And what, what did you think of it overall? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about all the stuff in in the camp and all that stuff. I'm, I'm not sure what went on there, but you know, uh, just the, we talked about it before. Like the, the fact that like the UC jitters are talked about. Some some people it doesn't affect. Some say it doesn't exist. But we've seen it so many times. You know, and we even saw it during the during the fight, like the first round or round and a half. You, and the second uh, half of the second round and the last round, two different genres, you know, she settled in much better. Um, but the, she was kind of, you know, fighting uphill by that stage. She was, she knew she was kind of, you know, needed a finish in the third round. And it, it's, it's hard to get when, when somebody also kind of knows or thinks in the back of their head that they're two rounds up and don't really need to take too many chances as well. But, you know, um, five fights into a career, as you said, it's it's a big ask to come into the UFC and and make a you know relatively short notice debut against uh, you know a more experienced opponent. But the experience will stand to her to go back and work on all that stuff. You know, uh, as we as we say, like the as as we always say, the the secret ingredient to success can can be defeat. And um, it seemed like she kind of was figuring out what she needed to do as the fight went on, but it was kind of too late. But you know, there'll be plenty of time now to go back and, and study that with Paddy and 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 the the training partners in the gym and the coaches, the other coaches, and improve because that's that's what that's what this stage of your career is. The first five, six, seven, eight, nine fights are you know we see fighters come on leaps and bounds. If you go back and watch any kind of ten and zero fighter when they were five and zero, they're they're nowhere near the same fighter that they are when they're ten and zero or when they're ten fights deep. Just experience um as you said, of the, the big occasions, the big crowds, the big pressure moments, the the tough opponents, all that stuff, the the experience of like you know, even the media experience, the the fanfare, all that stuff is completely different once you step into the UFC. And uh, you know, uh, it's just a it's just a kind of a learning experience earlier in her career. Obviously, we don't really see that too often in the UFC, you know, you kinda you see um a lot of guys have to, you know, spend a lot more years getting in there, but it just shows how exciting Sean has been and how impressive some of her wins have been. That the UFC, you know, didn't want any any other promotion to snatch her up and snatch her up and got her got her in there quickly. But I think the UFC will know that, you know, they they need to kind of match her up appropriately. And uh, as a five and oh, six or five and one fighter now, is it? Yeah, five yeah. and one fighter now. So, yeah, I think. Um, I think, you know, people can kind of, I saw online people kind of making fun, but uh, as I said, well, wait until she has as many fights as her opponent did and then we can kind of judge where she's at yeah. more than more than now. Obviously, people are going to judge her as a UFC fighter because she signed to the UFC and that's fair enough but, and the UFC signed her, but you got to, you got to like take it in context of how early she is in her pro career. Yeah, I, I think, and just to point to like maybe, so what, what could have been done differently in the fight uh, tonight? I think... Like coming into it, I, I was thinking both of them are kind of the point fighting fighters, which we saw for almost the whole fight. Um, and I was like, who's going to get the better of it? Like Brazil got the better of it for the first round and maybe two minutes. And then it was even for a while. And then Sean, I got the better of it uh, for maybe three and a half, four minutes of the third round. So, you know, overall, Brazil had the better of it for an extra few minutes. But 
I just think, and, and look, Brazil was able to get a few takedowns and things, but my, my analysis is kind of coming into this. If you look at Shauna's last few fights, you'll see a lot of her good work on the ground and her ability to, like, get takedowns and trip people and things. And I just feel like if you had, and we talk about it often, Graham, you throw in a, a takedown or even a takedown attempt in the first round, you show you're a well-rounded mixed martial artist, mixed martial artist which he has shown before, I think that maybe changes the fight a little bit. And that's the sort of thing... With experience, you get as well. You're thinking like, well, shit, I'm after eating a few shots here, two and a half minutes in. Do you know what? I, and there was another fight, um, uh, the um, Nathaniel Wood fight, it kind of happened. I'm after eating a few fights here. Do you know what? I'll get a takedown. Get a takedown. The fight comes back to the feed after 90 seconds, and then everyone's reset. And then you can start your striking again. You've reset, and then you can maybe start winning it and get a knockdown or start winning the striking. You know, those sort of things change it. And I think if she could have gotten that takedown or even a bit of a clinch in the first round, it could have changed that fight from you know seven minutes of um, Brazil doing well with the striking to maybe three minutes of her doing well with the striking making the first round a little bit closer and maybe the start of the second round she wasn't uh, as willing to come out and um you know, and throw as she was after getting, uh, you know, getting uh, her confidence up in the in the first round. So, you know, things like that are things you can learn. And I think anyone watching that fight and thinking, you know, whatever you want to think about, John, just look at the third round and look how she refused to give up. She refused to not keep going. I, I maybe was it the right tactic? Maybe to do that? Maybe not. Right, but still. In the third round, she started winning the fight, and she showed her quality in that. And if that quality ups, that uh, decision making gets better, the nerves go, as you said, Graham. And that was a point I wanted to make as well. The octagon jitters are a real thing. If they go, then Shauna for the next fight, if she's matched appropriately, can win and win after that, and win, and then keep moving up and up and up, and then we'll see where she goes after that. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. It wasn't, it wasn't her best performance, you know. No, she, no. well, we've watched her for a long, for as long as she's been fighting, and. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the real Sean out there for whatever reason. Like I'm I'm le- I'm like you. I'm leaning towards kind of UC jitters and things like that, and the big occasion. And you know, obviously she's fought a lot of kickboxing matches and all that stuff. But this is just you know, it's a different kettle of fish in the UFC. And you're on you're on Irish terrestri- terrestrial TV and all that stuff. And you know, you know, it's a big moment. Everybody knows it's a, it's a it's a huge moment. And you know, as as much as inexperienced as, or as much as we talked about her inexperience and things like that, I think you know uh, there, there's a much better Shauna already there. But it just kind of it took her too long to get going. But as you said, it was good. It was um, a good sign for her to come out and win the third round and uh, turn around the second round as well. Like you know, well on one card, I actually thought she she lost the second round as well. But you know, to make it competitive despite it starting off badly, and you know showed a grit and determination and like I've no doubt in my mind that she'll come back better and that she'll she'll be winning in the UFC soon 100% um, other fights around then Jafel Filo beat Daniel Perez Chris Duncan as Chris Duncan always does <laughs> But on a, a real fun fight against Yanel Ashmoos, that was a good fight. Not so fun, Kellen Vieira. I, I, I thought that I thought it was about to be over about six or seven yeah, times. That's that's, that's kind of uh, Ashmoos kind of hurt his left arm, didn't he? I thought he hurt his right was it leg his wrist as well. Or, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't one. know. He made it very obvious that he was something wrong with him. I don't know. Like, are you better off just not bringing any attention to it or discreetly it mentioning it to your corner sometimes. instead of immediately being like, ah, oh, grabbing at your at your arm the second the round ends. Kind of gives your opponent on. the old okay. Yeah. Um, more love beat Barbarina then. He beat him badly. He looks a very good uh, prospect coming through there. Mick Park and Jamal Pogues for 
uh, uh, I suppose an entry level heavyweight fight. This was fucking very good. Like it wasn't a great fight, but it was a great uh, tactical battle, I suppose, which we never see at heavyweight at this level. So that was good. I mean, it was some different, so no problem. A great fight though, Joel Alvarez or Joel Alvarez, sorry, against uh, Mark Chikesi. Um this one, uh, I this will surely be changed in all contests, Graham. Would you think? Like it was a very good fight. I, I, I don't think it will be, but Do I think, think so? it definitely one hundred percent should be. Yeah. Like it should have uh, when they started. The commentary said, "Oh, they're looking at the the what was it? The video assistant ref, or what's he called? Yeah, the, the, uh, the we'll just call him that. VAR. Let's go. Re, VAR. Re, replay ref. I think yeah. he's called. The replay ref was uh, was looking at it apparently, and then somehow." Yeah, decided that the headbutt that uh, clearly started the sequence that that finished the fight, uh, like a pretty nasty, you know, side of the head, forehead to the side of the head headbutt that you know you could see uh, the visible reaction and the contact was everything was there. Like you know, it's mm-hmm. it's as blatantly obvious, uh, like clear and obvious as behavior would say in in soccer. So yeah, if it wasn't turned over then, then I I think it makes it. You know, we've seen like, these before. People can be poked in the eyes and nearly have their eyeballs pulled out of their head and get TKO'd a second later, and it's it's all grand. But like, I I don't think anyone minted. Like, I don't think Alvarez minted or anything like that. It was like, no, it, no, absolutely not. No, but that, that's not that's irrelevant. Yeah, hundred percent. Like this, this is a bona fide and no contest, right? Something happened. Which, which should have led to the fight being stopped so we could check the fighter. The referee unfortunately missed it. And do you know what? I would 100% back the referee in forcing that fight to continue if he didn't see it. Because we always, do you know what we always complain about, Graham? And you say it all the time. It's like, how can you give a decision that you didn't see, right? And But I, I think if a guy, rea- I actually agree with you in 99% of situations. But in this situation, because Jacasey like reacted being like, oh, something illegal has happened here. He actually reacted like the ref couldn't have missed it. Yeah, but he should, he should stop it. And then if, if Jacasey is been hit with a punch or a legal strike, then say, OK, you're TK out. Mm, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Because if you call if, like a fake, a fake headboard or whatever yeah. to recover from a strike, like you have to be, you know, that should be the end of the fight. Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, but that's that's not what would happen. They'd say, no, it wasn't a legal strike, and the fight would start, and then he'd have the 30 seconds. Like, JKC didn't do that now, and let's let's just uh, put that out there. But let's say someone did. Like, you, I, I would stand by the ref 100% in what he did there, right? And it's it's not about... And he got... Look, he got the call wrong, but if he didn't see it, you can't fucking call it. Or you can't well, call okay, it. Is he not allowed to call to the replay ref to ask? He oh, he is, yeah. That. He is. Yeah, but so the he fight, didn't do everything right. That's fair enough. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, but the fight finished. Like, the, the, he was concentrating on the fight being finished at that stage. So, like, like did... And, and, well, can he not go back 10 seconds later and be like, oh, the start of that kind of... Yes, was, and that's uh, what should have happened. Can I not take a look at that, please? Uh, exactly. He should have. Yeah, but... Uh, Everyone should have, like the replay ref or whatever they're called. Every single person should have got there and looked at that and said, this is the, like, it's it's an easy after the fight call. It's a very hard in the fight call. But after the fight, oh no, there was a head clash there. The referee unfortunately missed it. Then the fight was finished quickly after that. This is a clear no contest. Very harsh on Joel Alvarez. He didn't really do anything wrong. But it should like this is it's just clear it's clear and obvious this should be a no contest like really it, it it was an unfortunate mistake an unfortunate mistake changed the whole trajectory of the fight led to one guy winning if that unfortunate mistake uh you know uh, what didn't happen the 
this change the fight it would have been a different outcome so you have to give a knock on this at that stage you have but before that though we must say what a great fight i um, i hope they do make a knock on this and i hope we have a rematch because i would love to see that fight in it was it was absolutely fantastic but yeah it was um, like I, I actually thought that uh you know mark lost the first round it was a close round i saw one of the judges actually gave it to him but i thought i thought he lost it but i thought in the second round he's kind of taken over the momentum the swing of the fight he you know like alvarez looked like he was tiring a bit and jacasey looked like he kind of you know the game plan w- w- was working and that he was taking over the fight so it's, uh, that's a re- it's a really hard one to take for for mark you know sometimes we don't mention this but when a guy when a guy loses he, he gets half his pay you know what i mean and uh, yeah when you lose like that when uh, a replay should have been called and, or an obviously a no contest isn't isn't ideal either you're, you're not getting paid but at least yeah, it wouldn't, you know, uh, in it wouldn't be on your record as well. And, you know, it's a fight that kind of, as I said, had kind of at least Mark in, in, in his head, at least, like, in, and in my opinion, too, was kind of, you know, uh, in control of that fight as much as you can be when you're a round down in the middle of a second round. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, you know, it's going to be a hard one to take. I'd say yeah. if I was Mark, I probably w- I would actually dispute it and try to, uh, Try to get it overturned, but the chances of it actually, um, the like the historical di- data would lead us to believe that uh, the chances are slim to none. Yeah, you think it should be a no-brainer, but as you say, who, the commission, like who is the commission? You know, the you UC know, the, or, the, the, yeah, or the, hired in, hired in some some people. They well, they had uh, the Mark Goddard and all them boys had the English mixed martial arts thing on their shorts tonight. So is are, is that not the commission? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not we'll sure if, if they out. have an actual. I'm not sure if they have an actual kind of commission hearing setting that, like, you know, if you were fighting in a U.S. state, you would have to, you know, appeal again. So maybe they can throw something together. But yeah, I don't know. Um, it's probably one of those situations where you just kind of you, you got to just take it, <laughs> even though uh, it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow. Uh, indeed. Johnny Parsons, Danny Roberts, uh, Jesus, Danny Roberts, a tough man here. He's, his legs just gave out in him, and uh, his arms were still going, but it wasn't enough. Thought it was a very good stoppage by Jason Herzog. Um, it was one of those fights you're watching, like, thinking, where's the towel here? Like, can we protect this man? In fairness, and he was fighting away and everything, but, like, like come on. It was a prolonged beating here when he couldn't fight back. He, like, there was no intelligent defense there when he was falling around the place taking shots. Not a big fan of that anyway. I went on the live stream here, Graham, after that, um, and I missed the next couple of fights. This David Grant-Marcos fight split decision was very close, was it? Arson Wenger over here misses all the big incidents. When, <laughs> Actually, when people want, oh, my God. I did. You Unbelievable. Can, I was on Yeah, show, like, though. come on. Um, yeah, to be honest, this is pretty poor. Uh, I think I don't know what the... Maybe it looked different from Cage Side or something because the commentators seem to think that Mar- everything Marcos does was, was brilliant and no selling Grant and the judges seem to agree in the end, but... Yeah, I thought pretty clearly Grant won the first and the third and even the second, like... That could have went either way. Well, like, I actually probably, yeah, 30-27 or 29-28 at worst for Grant. <sighs> yeah, this is like, it's a pity you haven't seen it, but... Yeah, I'll have to go back I, and watch it for the Q&A. Yeah, I will. Yeah, this this one was um, very surprising. Like, I was pretty sure that uh, <laughs> Grant was going to have his, um, his hand raised at the end and... Uh, yeah, I saw the reaction on social media and Grant's reaction, and uh, yeah, this was um, 
I, usually I kind of think it's a bit overboard, but I think I think in this case, like I wasn't watching it as a judge, but yeah, I think uh, I really, I know Grant in the first round took a bit of damage on the face, a bit of blood and things like that. Obviously, cosmetic damage kind of maybe plays in a little bit more than it should when it's more of a just a, a cut rather than a big hard shot that caused it or a big elbow that caused it or something like that. So, yeah, maybe that played into uh, the first round going against Grant. But, yeah, that's, um, yeah, the third round, I don't really know how how um, how that wouldn't be scored for Grant. And the second was probably the closest to the round. So, yeah, maybe if that went to Marcos, that's okay. But, yeah, no, I really, I really, uh, really surprised. And, yeah, I think Grant won this fight and I think it was a uh, bad judging. It came down to that first round. I'm looking here. All three judges were agreed on the second and the third. All gave the second to Marcos. All gave the third to Grant. Uh, Anders Olsen gave the first to Grant. And Clemens Werner and Cesar Vosage, uh, whose name I pronounce brilliantly, gave the first to Marcos. So I'm, uh, I just need to watch the first round there, basically. <laughs> so I'll go back and I'll, uh, I'll go back and I'll watch that. And I'll, I'll well, if, if you score the first round for Marcos, then maybe you need to watch the second round because Grant. Might have won that one too. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll have a I'll have a look at it. Um, the rest of the card, like uh, this, uh, the Leroy Murphy and Josh Kulabo fight. I thought that was going to be a great fight. It wasn't a bad fight, but you know, Mur- both well, Murphy more so. Like Murphy is so talented. It just feels like he needs that big win. He needs to kind of click it. I said this about Joe McCulgan a while back. Uh, when he was coming through, it was like, he's doing so well. It's Something just needs to click for him. He'll get that big finish. And, and it happened for Johnny. He won the cage where it's silent and he decided to retire when he did <laughs> click for him. But, well, maybe retire. But for Leroy Murphy, I feel like that's still coming. He's only 14 fights into his career. He won here again. He's undefeated. Very good fighter. But I really like Leroy Murphy and I think he's a big upside. But we'll, I think bigger fights to come for him. Farah Zian beat Jai Herbert then again. Another relatively close one then there. Um... And then we had the, the three fights after that. Paul Craig um, got a good win um, there. He looked better, but do, do you know what, Graham? Do you know what Paul Craig reminds me a little bit of? Derek Lewis. In that he's almost, he tries to get better, but I don't know, does him getting better actually help him? I think he's, he's better off when he's a little bit of a maverick, when he's falling to his back, when he's jumping on arm bars and things like that. And we kind of saw that a little bit in the second round here. But um, look, a great, a great finish over Andre Muniz, who I think, uh, I think a lot of us have vastly overrated, I think, over the last one. That's not sending against Craig. It was still a tough matchup for Craig here, but... Um, a good win, uh, a good win for Paul Craig at middleweight. That middleweight division is so bad as well that Paul Craig could uh, could rise through it pretty quickly. What what do you think of? Uh, you know, for for the Craig? middleweight division, Paul Craig's probably you know one of the fighters I look forward to the most. Definitely, because like you know, he's never in a boring fight. He can be he can be winning the fight and lose. He can be getting completely dominated and finish. You know, they could do a lot worse than you know put him in a in a big fight on a. And a Scottish card, you know, uh, even a, even an English card, but a Scottish card will be will be fantastic for somebody like Paul Craig. Uh, I don't really see it happening, but I think he, you know, he's not quite getting the the respect he deserves in terms of uh, card position. You know, uh, usually the bigger guys would be kind of higher up the card, and maybe 
being Scottish and not, not English is playing a little bit against him there, but he seems to be liked by the fans. He seemed to get a good pop from what we could hear, you know, uh, on the TV. And uh, I've seen him fight live before. He has a, he has a good sport behind him. He seems like a really nice guy. He's a, you know, uh, a finisher like or a guy who's who's in fights that are never boring they're not they're like you know he's pulling guard as you said he's going for crazy submissions he he's he's always trying to get the finish he's always trying to win the fight and he and he's for the middleweight division he's you know he's creeping his way up there kind of behind the scenes kind of quietly and without much uh fan without well, much this is his um, first middleweight hype. fight he just came down he didn't look great on the scale but I think I think um, yeah. I think it like might be this is, I, I think he's kind of snuck in there where yeah. you know winner two and he could you know he could be in a in a big fight but with Paul Craig you know getting that winner two he might take a lot of damage doing it as he steps oh, up and maybe massive you know maybe maybe the 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 upper echelons of the division would be too much for him yeah I'd say um, I'd say they probably will but like the upper echelons of that division aren't aren't too upper so. <laughs> We'll see how he goes. Um, just uh, reach out to someone there asking about the um, the whole no possible no contest thing. Um, and so apparently it was reviewed live um, by everyone, the 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 the, uh, the referees and the officials there, and they decided to give you the decision that you got in that fight. And I'm told if you want to appeal it, um, the UFC act as the de facto uh, commission when they're overseas in a place that doesn't have an official commission. Obviously, the EMMA isn't it yet. So you'd have to go through Mark Ratner and all of that uh, and uh, appeal there. So that's the answer to that question. Um, Right, last couple of fights. This Nathaniel Wood-Andre Feely fight. I feel like the last two Nathaniel Wood fights, I said he won. He looked good, but by God, he's going to get caught on 145. He's just too small. He's just too small. Like, he looked, he's such a better fighter than Andre Feely all around. But just because the extra bit of power, like, Andre Feely's not even that powerful a fighter, but he's getting caught by him. It's going to be an issue. I hope it's not. He keeps saying, you know, this is my speed will see me through and I'm banking on my quality and all. Well, that's all well and good. But, like, it's going to bring lads who have lesser quality closer to you because they have the size and the power on you. Um, and like, I don't want well, to... If the weight, the weight cut to, to 135 is taking or the, is taking so much out of you, you know... It's a tough one. It. It's a tough one. You would catch 22 situations. The health thing as well. You, like, you know, he's only 29, but he's not getting yeah. any younger. And as you get older, it does seem to get harder to cut the weight and... If it's if it's like such a kind of mental and physical drain on you, you know maybe it is better. You know, obviously you're going to run into some guys who are bigger than you, but you know you're just kind of going to adapt your game to kind of figure out how to get through that, I suppose, and maybe make yourself a little bit little uh, bit less hittable than than maybe he currently is. But yeah, yeah, um, it's a tough one, you know, when you're kind of. Mm. Stuck in between two divisions, you know, a ten pound gap at, at that weight is is a pretty large gap. Massive. Like, and you know, guys can be cutting down from from a lot higher than, than you are. So, it definitely is a disadvantage. But in the particular fight, but for career longevity and stuff like that, and you know, it's a difficult one. You know, it really is a difficult. One. It's it's one of those situations, right, where I go against my own nature 
because my nature is to say good for you don't cut that fucking weight nobody should be cutting that much weight that if you feel like it kills me to get down to that weight absolutely don't fucking do it but the problem is do you know who's killing themselves to get down to weight andre feely and he's killing himself well, to get absolutely down to everybody the- else in the whole ufc exactly <laughs> exactly exactly everyone you meet but like you're not killing yourself to get down to 145 but you could kill yourself to go and get down to 135 but andrew feely's killing himself to get down to 145 when he could be fighting a 155 so it's like sometimes it's a 155er fighting against a 135er if that makes a bit of sense there like and that's a big problem now I wish everyone would do what Nathaniel Wood did, but you can't be a sweet summer child leader and go, ah, sure, look, I'm going to do this and it's going to benefit me. Like, everyone else can go fuck themselves. Like, it's simply not going to work. I wish it did, and I wish this was the case, but I, I just don't think it is. Now, I, I feel bad because it's two fights in a row where I'm, like, almost taken away from these wins. They're great wins, but, like, you said as well, Graham, right? If the cut is, like, hurting your career and hurting your longevity, do you know what's worse for your fucking longevity is getting knocked down and hit fucking hard by bigger lads than you over and over and over again in fights. And for Nathaniel Wood, we all saw the Josh Reed fight. We all saw this fight. We all saw the last fight. You cannot live for free. You cannot. You can keep taking the amount of damage he takes in this in those fights and keep the chin you have. You can't do it. So I don't know. But he'll he'll say you know I'm on a three fight win streak at this division and you know yeah. But as you do get up, 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 up as you say again, as I say again, you, the upper echelon of the division. You look at the matchups and you think. Yeah, there's there's a lot of big guys there. There's some very difficult matchups, and you wouldn't fancy his chances. Uh, if you drop down the weight, you know there's there's still some killers there as well. But it's it's it, yeah, I I I don't really know how to feel about this. I I in principle it makes all the sense in the world, and for health and all that stuff, it's a great decision. But yeah, it's it's um it's a such a cutthroat business that you know it might end up being a mistake, but only time will tell. And, you know, the results so far are looking good for him. So, yeah, you know, mm. it's it's hard to argue with him and saying that, that he feels better there and that, you know, the results are, are proving him right so far. But, yeah, time, time will tell as he steps up uh, in terms of quality. But that's a pretty good win over Andre Feely. You know, Andre Feely's a little bit inconsistent, but he, on his day, he can cause a problem for, for a lot of people in that division. And, um, you know, it was a bit back and forth, but yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a good win for Nathaniel Wood, and yeah, I think I think you know step up a step up next for him. Who like, looking at the division, it's it's hard to see who they'll go with next. You know, um, himself and Lerone Murphy keep calling each other out. Do you think what about that? Do you think they want to do that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, like even if you look just above, uh, just above uh, Alice Casares, you have, I like, have on like Barboza and Danny Dan, Dan Bryce Mitchell. What about uh, What about Paul Hughes? Yeah, well, obviously, <laughs> Paul Hughes. How does Paul Hughes feel? You know, obviously, uh, Caelan Lockwood. We we didn't even mention it. Yet, wait, 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 get to that in a second. Yeah, just, well, let's just finish this. Right? Paul Hughes still isn't in the UFC. Yeah, if Paul Hughes was signed to the UFC, it would be a it'd be a great fight. It'd be a, like. For Paul Hughes, I think you know, um, but obviously, while he's while he's not signed in the UFC, it's a little bit kind of fantasy match matchmaking. But yeah, the the, the top ten, the top 13, 14, I don't really fancy Daniel Woods' uh, chances against them. Maybe the Dan Ige, the Dan Ige fight might be a 
might be one, but yeah, I don't know. He, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tough, it's a lot of tough matchups looking at the top fifteen. Yeah, him versus Edson Barboza would be fun. GC <laughs> be getting cracked in that one, but yeah, yeah. Barboza versus everybody is. is it is. Fun. That's true. That's true. Um, and in the last fight, Molly McCann versus Julia Stolyarenko. Um, I don't really have much to say about this ground to be honest. Like it's two kind of lower level. Uh, flyweights um, one of them got an arm bar against the other one one of them's good on the ground one of them been great uh, yeah the ref didn't uh, notice the obvious top for, for quite a while did he not? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she pretty much tapped straight away as her arm got extended, and the ref just, I don't know, just was really slow on the on the uptake there. Wasn't a great weekend for refs. I thought. Um, I, uh, I thought, I thought. I thought there was a lot of kind of weird calls and a lot of kind of, you know, we had the no contest. Even uh, we, let's talk about cage orders for a minute. Even like in the main event there, <clears throat> like I think Mark Goddard is one of the top two referees in the world. But I really didn't like the way he ref the finish in that James Webb fight and all the night in cage orders. Like Goddard, he used to be like we we always joke and call him the school principal. Like you know he'd be giving out the lads and stuff. But I thought I thought he kind of left that behind him and become like so much of a better ref because of that. But there was so much of it on cage orders. I mean like just just don't just no need for it. And in the, the James Webb Stanton fight, um where Stanton knocked Webb down and he kept warning him and like warning him so much that Webb had moved out of positions that he just got to to try to protect himself. So like Webb got knocked down with a big shot and a big uppercut and no problem like he's hurt there this fight's almost finished if Stanton lands more shots no problem get the finish but he goes down to his back and in Webb after a couple of seconds turns to his knees to protect himself and as he does that Goddard warns him like why are you warning him he just moved to protect himself right so Goddard warns him he moves again to another position where he actually tries to stand up but then Stanton throws a few shots he warns him again then he grabs the, the wrist he warns him again. Then he lets go of the wrist and puts up his hand to block a few shots. Warned again, gets put to his back. It's like, what do, what, what do you want me to do here? Like, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to improve my position. Exactly. I'm trying to defend myself. I'm like, I'm doing everything you want. Obviously, I've been stunned with a shot here. I've been dropped, but I'm defending myself. I'm trying to improve my position. And then the ref steps in and stops it. So, there, yeah, there was, I was, yeah it, was, it was pretty, it was really bad. Like, you know, terrible. maybe fair enough if, you know, if if Staunton had been putting the, the beating on Webb, the Webb had been putting on Staunton up to that point, and that had happened, you say, okay, I've seen enough, just call it off. But it was literally the other way around, and he got caught with a shot and was was trying to defend himself while stunned, obviously, like, but not out at any moment, not limp, always moving, always pr- proving position, always like you know engaging with his opponent, trying to hold the wrist or trying to block the shots or trying to respond to the ref's claims, like the ref's uh, calls, as you were saying. Yeah, that was that was really bad, you know. Obviously, yeah, James Webb should have should have finished that fight earlier. He had a, he had Staunton um, hurt a few times, but Stanton. That's Stanton. Sorry, that's going to be a um, that's a bitter another really difficult one to take for for Webb. Like you know, um, that's just really frustrating. You know, um, he had his opponent basically beaten. He made a mistake, got caught, and then you know did everything you should do to recover but wasn't given that chance and yeah. that's just that's just very unfortunate and it was like the Reese McKee fight against Burlington as well now funny enough the last time I interviewed Reese, I asked him about that 
Uh, and he said, exactly, like, he was in a position, the referee warns him, and then he moves to a worse position just because you've been warned, and you actually take and more damage. And it could have cost him a UFC contract. 100%. Which it like, would have if he, if he had have lost, which he nearly did. Well, not nearly did, but he, he his chances, his percentage chances of losing went up because of the referee's uh, in, uh, instructions. Just I, I feel like sometimes, like it's if it's if bad. the fight is almost going to be finished, fair enough. Just go. You have to do more here, whatever. Like no problem. But like the damage had been done to Webb by the time he was being given the warning. Like he was already moving. Like the slot that showed down as well. The shots he was eating had slowed down. Yeah. Like they were, they like the the impact had kind of gone out of them. It was more kind of flurrying because the ref was kind of so close to the fight and so. So uh, talkative that, you know, obviously uh, Mick knows that if I just keep kind of throwing here, there's a good chance the ref pulls, pulls me off. And he did. But, you know, he did everything right in the situation. But, yeah, the ref just, it was bad. Yeah. And, like, it's a five-round championship. I, like, I don't like saying anything back about, bad about Mark Otter because I think he's very, very good. But, like, it's one of those ones I think him as a good referee will go back and go... And if you really look at it, like, and you re- really, you know, true with yourself, you'll go, I would have given him a bit more of an opportunity there. And maybe take away the first two warnings, see what he does. Like, let's say Webb gets his knees there, there's no warning comes, and then he hits him with, like, two or three shots underneath. You stop it there. You'd actually cause less damage. You'd have to warn him less. Like, there there's be, might be no need for any warning at all. But... You know, we didn't get this. I, f- I felt like the end was just unnatural. Like the, the referee changed the ending of the fight, which should never happen, really. But look, that's the way it was. But look, up to, up until that, it was Webb was doing very well, standing it unbelievably to come back and land that big shot. And you know, maybe they maybe they make the trilogy now because they're one one. I don't know. I don't know if people will be as up in arms maybe as we are about the stoppage, but I think they probably should, and I think that should probably lead to um, uh, to a rematch. Like the, you know, Webb and Chris Fields—they're not the type of lads to crib and cry about a stoppage like that. Maybe it'll work against them, you know. But um, yeah, it was. I don't know. It's it's one of those ones, right? It's not the worst stoppage in the world when you just look at the stoppage itself, the the very end of it. But when you like really kind of delve into it and look at all the integers to it, I just think oh, it wasn't great. Anyway. Um, congrats to Mick Stanton. Look, he 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 got that title. He you know twelve and seven in his career now, and he's cage warrior title after defending defending it. Brilliant, fair play to him. Um, then we had a, a lot of featherweight fights, and they kind of all went to plan. Uh, Vucinic won, Charrier won, Luke Riley won, Harry Hardick won. So, as we said with Paul Hughes, we'll talk about more maybe in, in a minute or two. If he's going to defend his belt, it'll be against one of those four. The one I would probably pick out, honestly, is probably Harry Hardwick because he's fought Shari and Vucinic before. I think Luke Riley probably needs one or two more fights. Let's say Paul Hughes goes to the UFC. I think, and let's let's say Shari doesn't, which he could with Paris coming up. I think they probably do Vucinic versus Shari again for the title and we see where it goes. Then maybe do Hardwick versus Riley. That'd be a massive fight as well. Co-main event. Winner fights the winner. I think that'd be pretty good. So fair play to those lads. Matters Ruminas, what a run again. He'll have to be fighting for the, the title now, 170 next week. Obviously talked about Reese McKee getting signed to the USC last week. Um so that title will be uh, up for grabs. You know, James Sheehan around there as well. Maybe he'll be able to get in there, but um, great win for him. Will Curry again coming back at 185. Massive win for O'Meal Brown. He'll be there thereabouts as well. Um, um, Wesley Meyer got a win. Agnes Hewitt got a win. Liam Gittins, who's always there around. Um, Tom Mearns, uh, George Tanasa and Tom Creasy. But our own Takamandu Graham, I mentioned him earlier on. 
big win for him get the three and two I know I was kind of cribbing about you know the opponent but this was on short notice um, against uh, a one on one guy so it's not exactly you know unfair matchmaker Andy but like the way the fight played out Taka was just leaps and bounds ahead of Grant Ogborn here wasn't he and I thought he was going to get the finish in the first round I thought it probably should have been a 10-8 but Taka looked good here the win will bring him on I'm not sure you know the the opponent and the test will bring him on but he needed to get a win here Graham yeah, I'm not sure if, if Ogborn is, you know, uh, maybe as as bad as you're making out. I think maybe 30 seconds into the fight, he kind of got his face smashed with a with a punch. And from then on, it was kind of, it was downhill from there. Um, you know, Tak has obviously just moved three and two with that win. So it's an appropriate matchup to be, to be going in. Like, you know, uh, early in your career, uh, coming off a loss, uh, you know, uh, first round submission loss in a kind of strange fight where, you know, there was a, a submission that wasn't, and the fight had to be restarted. It was just a bit, everything it was a bit, it was a bit an odd fight. Uh, so I don't really like on short notice, as you said, I don't really see any, any problem with the opponent. Um, you know, the guy's only two and oh, but he's 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 undefeated and he's kind of like, you know, it's it, I, I see nothing wrong with the matchmaking anyway. Uh, obviously, the fight played out uh, dominant for for Taka. It was it was a really good standing performance, very, very fluid, lots of lots of impactful strikes. and as I said, I think the the turning point of the fight was about thirty seconds in. You saw the, the pictures afterwards of of his eye and his face, and yeah, some some maybe orbital orbital bone damage there. So, uh, attack has shown that he has power and that uh, he's really good on the feet. You know, obviously he wasn't asked too many questions in terms of the the defensive grappling or wrestling and stuff like that in in this fight, but. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know how quickly he can get back in there. He didn't take any damage. Uh, that I, that I could see in that fight so a quick turnaround could be on the cards here and um you know as well we'll probably see him in Dublin as well on the the RDS card yeah and I think a quick turnaround would be good for Taka like I think the short notice did him no harm here at all so get a good few fights in and, and let's get going again Cage Warriors actually have a card next week now I don't think he'll be on that but um the flyweight title is on the line here Michele Martignoni who was 135 pound champion uh relinquished his belt obviously to Caelan Lochran won we'll speak on him in a second uh he's coming down to fight Shaz Hack that should be a fun fight um there are some good fights on this as well. Sylvester Miller, um, who fought for the title not so long ago, he at 135, he's on it. One of one of my top prospects in Cage Warriors, James Power. This guy is absolutely legit. Brad was telling me his opponent, uh, Michael Pajani, and I'll have a whole preview out with Brad on this uh, on Sherdog during or maybe Severe I'm not sure during the week. Um, that's a very good fight. Uh, Leon Hill from Ireland, uh, Team KF again, is against Demetrio Gudelin, who beat Adam Cullen, sparked him. In the last fight, so that's a massive fight at 155 pounds as well. And there's a lot of talk about Leon Hill after going up leaps and bounds as well. And Mason Jones also on this card coming back from the UFC. He's at 155 pounds now, so very interesting times ahead for Cage Warriors. Right, Kenan Lochran, Graham, uh, signed to the UFC. After Reese McKee had signed, obviously Sean fought this weekend. We have Conor McGregor there, we have Ian Gary there now. Five fighters, very. Very uh, recently, I remember asking a question to uh, when I interviewed. Sure, Conor Nelson still Irish. Is that, uh, he's still Irish, but I, I remember uh, I remember asking a question to John Cavanaugh not too long ago that saying that Conor McGregor was the only Irish trained fighter in the UFC at one stage, but uh, that has uh, very quickly changed. Although Ian Gary's not Irish, I, I, Irish trained. Ken Locker is not Johnny Irish Walker. Trained. No Irish, sorry, Irish born, Irish trained. Yeah, so well, there, there's, there's how many is there? Sean Bannon is, um, Conor McGregor is, and 
uh, Reese McKee is. So there's three now. Two of them are not Irish trained, but they're all we have, we're we we're not giving away fighters now. We're, t- we're taking more fighters. But Kaelin Graham, like I, I spoke to Kaelin after his last win, or um, was it after the last win? It was after the last win, I think. Yeah, and he was like saying, you know, the UFC to fuck to to <laughs> to quote him uh, exactly. And uh, you know, I had the same uh, reservations maybe as I had with Sean. I was like, is it a little bit too early and all of that. Um, and maybe it will be. But his opponent is a debut in USC fighter as well. We'll and obviously we'll talk and we'll have a look about him uh, as as the fight gets closer. But Kalen's improvements over the last couple of fights have been astounding. And I think we we've spoken about it. The UFC loves finishers. They love undefeated fighters. Obviously, they love Cage Warriors fighters. We all know about that. And it was the perfect um, the perfect storm for Kaelin Lochran, really. And I think like that Luke, Shank win, Luke Shanks win and the win over in Italy the last time when he just destroyed his opponent. You know, he's ready. He, I, I think he is ready. The only thing, again, that will get him is inexperience. Like, kind of like Sean Octagon Jitters, that sort of thing. But like the quality that he has... It'll, it'll improve and it'll improve and it'll improve but he's good enough to beat guys in the UFC right now and I'm excited Graham how, how excited are you for this one? Yeah I'm really excited you know obviously we were kind of saying at the start when he kind of first turned pro we were saying oh maybe you know uh, the criticism of fighting cans and all that stuff is 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 legitimate and you need to step up and we've seen him step up in style you know he's ran through these opponents like sliced through them looked, looked phenomenal looked, looked like he's you know, uh, coming on leaps and bounds in between fights. We, we, we talk about guys getting improving in, in between fights, especially early in their career. But Caelan Lochran just, he looks like, he looks so comfortable. He looks like experienced. He looks like a veteran. He looks like he's been, he's, looks like he's been in 20, 30 fights. You know, that's, he, obviously, as you, as you just said, and as we talked about in the lead up to Shauna's uh, debut and we talked about today, there definitely is a different, you know, a, a, a different thing. He hasn't had that, um, a huge um, pressure and media attention, and you know UFC prestige, uh, and the and just all the stuff that goes with it. It definitely will, you know, will be something to to look into and something to think about, and it could play a factor. It might not. We see some guys. It doesn't really. It doesn't really matter. But even with Ian Gary, we kind of saw it a little bit. Even in victory, we saw um, some maybe. Uh, under par performances for uh, how good the these guys are in their early days, so that is something to play. In. But as you said, his opponent is in the same in the same boat um, as it stands. You know, opponents can change and all that. It's in September. There's still a bit of time to go. But just the way he went through Shanks, especially and Dylan Hazan, yeah, I think he's ready. You know, I think. I think there's a lot of matchups that uh, I like for him in the bantamweight division in the UFC, and I hope they. You know, it looks like they're going to give him. Um, a slow build. They're gonna. He, he's still a new pro. Like you know, he's still, you know, he's only kind of stepped up in uh, quality of opponent like one year ago. Like what June twenty two, like a year and a month ago. So it is very early days. But as long as they give him the right matchups, I think you know, 
uh, it's definitely um, it's not too soon. Yeah, like and to be fair, no, I think the Shauna matchup wasn't a bad or unfair matchup. I think uh, the Reese one this time around anyway isn't that either. So I think uh, to be fair, they're getting better at that. But I think like they probably have more opportunity to get better at that because this is happening. I suppose more these days. But yeah, I'm really excited about Kalen. Like I love his style. I I love a different sort of style and the way he fights. Kind of stands in that middle hole, sees ground, and just makes. He's an awkward fighter, but so technical in the way he fights. It's brilliant. And he's added in those takedowns as well. They're probably always there, but he's just added them in. And he's so strong. He's like an absolute bull and he hits hard. And he's a great athlete. And you know, you come. And people mightn't realize it as well. Supreme confidence as well. Very, very confident. Yeah. But like, he comes from a Gaelic football background in Tyrone. Like, if you want to build fucking tough. That's where you come from. Like, that is where you come from. And he's had a great bedding as, a, as an athlete coming up, uh, going through there. And like he told me in the interview I did with him, you know, he was he, he was uh, going to be on county teams and, and in his, you know, his club team playing and, and big county matches and stuff until he tore, I think he tore his ACL like three times in the space of 18 months or something like that. And, you know, that's how tough Gaelic football is in Tyrone. But, um yeah, he's a really, really, really hot prospect, a top prospect, and I can't wait to see. You know, and obviously we're a little bit Irish, and biased being Irish and get a little bit carried away. But sure, why not? Like, you know, it's great to see this fucking uh, Irish brigade coming through, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. And there's more coming. You know, Keith for Crosby and and um, uh, and Danny McCormack, and hopefully a load more uh, on the way as well. It'd be absolutely fantastic to to see uh, each and every one of. Them. And it was funny, Graham. Like we were only talking about it. A f- like it, it feels like only a few months ago. It's probably a few years ago. I remember it was like there was a one stage. It was just the two of us and no one else. Kind of an Irish MMA there for a while, and I was like Jesus. And you know the old triangle came, and them boys have done an absolute great job as well. And it, like it, it really did feel like Irish MMA was in the wilderness there for a while. And you know people that had been covering it before went away, and they were either doing other things or talking about English MMA or you know got whatever it might have been. And like Irish MMA was still there, and it was. Still strong and was still coming, and like the look at the likes of Ian Gary saying, you know, he saw Connor fighting, or look at, you know, uh, the, the the likes of um, the likes of Kalen or the likes of James Gallagher up the north, and and all them lads, you know, fucking fighting their way to to get to the top. It's it's been absolutely great to yeah. see, and you know, severe. Well, I think the th- there definitely was like a dip, like you know, there was a you know the Joe Carvalho thing, and and yeah. leading into regulation and being more expensive to put on shows, and then like lockdown and things, and uh, the the massive lack of shows in in the south of Ireland definitely stunted we talked about it at the time it was stunting these guys you know people like Lee Hammond are on tough now would probably have a lot more experience like uh than than they do uh now like maybe you know they would have had that experience three or four years before and maybe would have would have kind of risen through the promotions quicker but you know I think all in its, its own time and it seems to be have come together really nicely it seems to be like you know a pretty good second wave coming in here obviously uh we mentioned Kalen, we, 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 or we mentioned them, um, sorry, Paul earlier on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's mind boggling how, he, how he's on the UFC. It has I, to I, be next. I see some people replying, oh, it's because maybe the UFC think he's boring or too many decisions. It's just like absolute nonsense. Like he's not boring in any way. He's supremely talented. He has, he has the, uh, he's at least in the debate to be the most talented of the, 
the upcoming fight is, you know, if, if, he, if you don't think he is, he's, you know, fair enough, but he's definitely in the debate, in my opinion. Um, you know, the uh, quality of opponents that he's beaten, like, you know, we, we just saw the Charrier and Vucenic there, like, you know, slice through their opponents in style. <sighs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's like, I think I said this last week and the week before and the week before that, yeah. but it must be hard for him at home. He, you know, he's obviously happy for these guys that he's kind of come up with or whatever, but it must be it must be um, frustrating and kind of uh, just more, more than frustrating. It must be just confusing why he hasn't been given this uh, this chance. He, in put the out, he put out a tweet as well about saying, uh, thanks for all the messages and all, but like, I'm sure all the messages are great, like, but that must be so fucking disheartening because like even I tweeted last week you know when there wasn't talk about this or whatever and I was watching a Federer fight and I was like basically how like how can these two lads be in the UFC and Paul Hughes isn't and like he kind of retweeted it with like a confused face or whatever and it's like he must be looking at that himself and thinking like how the fuck and it's different even for Kalen right because Kalen has really only had two fights at the very top level in the last what did you say there the last fucking nine months or whatever it was like Paul Hughes has been around for a good while now like we were talking about Paul Hughes fighting Mads Burnell about three years ago like that's how long Paul Hughes has been around fighting at that sort of level and, and he, like, even before that he came through like you know constant broken hands doctors telling him that he needs to retire because of his hands things yes. like that you know he's come through a lot of adversity to be there he's you know put on amazing performances he's shown that he can do it in the striking round the wrestling the grapple he, he can finish he can go five rounds he can hang with the with the best in Europe uh, and beat them like oh, yeah uh, definitely a really frustrating time it must be for Paul and you know hopefully the call is around the corner but it, it, the longer it drags on and the the, the more people that kind of get signed uh, not just Irish other like you know across the world get signed uh, and Paul not getting signed it, it, it's a strange one you know I think if they get him in there, he can cause he can cause um, a bit of a stir, like and get some get some noise behind him and things like that. It's it's not as if he's a he's a boring personality, you know. He's he's exciting. He can talk. He he can finish. He can he can he fight all around. He's smooth. He's exciting. He's he's a top class martial artist. Like it's it's um it's really a, a they really fumbled the bag here at the UFC. Hashtag Paul Hughes for the UFC. That's what we need to go. Just one thing, Graham, as well. When we're talking about this severemma.com forward slash awards let me just go through them right emerging prospect of the year 2022 the winner for us lee hammond who's in tough at the moment hopefully he'll be signed to the ufc who knows 2021 palahan doing great things over in combates won a good few fights over there 2020 and 2019 ian gary enough said 2018, Kiefer Crosby on the verge of getting to the UFC. 2017, Will Flory, you know, we, we know what happened to Will over the last while, but in the in the big tournament in PFL. Um, Reese McKee, just signed to the UFC, 2016. 2015, Peter Queeley, title challenger in Bellator. 2014, Joseph Duffy, who fought Dustin Poirier at very high level in the UFC. That's some record. Not one miss there in the last, what, seven years, Graham? That's, or more, nine years. That's pretty good. And in the amateurs of the year, 2021, Sean Abannon, just in the UFC. 2020, Derek Kelly in Bellator. 2019, Takamandu just got a great win there last night. Lee Hammond, 2018, in tough. Um, Franz Malambo coming up in PFL he's the 2015 and there's a few other guys A.O. Daly very unfortunate with uh, injury and stuff Dave Fogarty went out one year he's he's doing other things now taking photos and stuff and there's a few more there as well but you know if you're watching the likes of Keith Kyo and others coming along they, they should probably be uh, people you should be keeping an eye on as well but I, I, I think we both take great pride in the awards Graham and 
by reading off them list there, I don't think anybody can doubt them. They're them awards are, are uh, speak for themselves. So I'm I'm very proud of them and uh, fair play to all the fighters coming through. Uh, right, a few more things. Big card next week. We'll obviously have the big preview for this, so we won't get in too much into it. Uh, UFC 291 uh, coming up uh, next Saturday. There's a Bellator versus Risen card as well. There's some good fights on this. AJ McKee versus Pedricky Pitbull, Denny Sabatella, Megamed Megamedov, uh, and a few more as well. But 291, um, Poirier versus Gaethje, brilliant fight. Blahovich versus Pereira, Ferguson versus Green. Wonderboy's on the card. Derek Lewis is on the card. And a few more. What, what are you looking forward to the most, Graham? I, what, what catches your eye here in this one? I always love a Wonderboy fight. Um, I actually always love a Gaethje and a Poirier fight. You know, I know it's a rematch, but it's it's one that, like, you know, both guys can, you know, uh, finish each other. Both guys can knock each other out. Both guys are going to go... Uh, are going to go looking for the finish, so it's probably going to be a really exciting fight as long as it lasts. Like I, I, I lean Parier, but I wouldn't be all that surprised if if uh, Gaethje can land something and uh, turn the fight. But uh, yeah, Wonder Boy, you know, um, high above the mucky, you know, castles, you're you're you're, you're Mister, you're you're Wonder Boy's biggest fan. Um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty exciting fight, like in terms of um, a style clash. Like, I don't know if Pei is going to be able to, you know, um, do, do much of his fancy shit successfully against Wonderboy. I'd say, like, just the fact that Wonderboy is kind of getting on in, in age so much for a guy who uses so much speed and, like, you know, tiny little distances of getting out of range and things like that. You know, you if you if like you do have we've seen it in the Pettis fight. You know, if if he if he gets caught, he can't be finished. But yeah, I think um, as long as Wonder Boy kind of plays it smart here, he should be able to pick apart uh, Pahea. But I'm always excited when when Wonder Boy fights. Uh, you know, he, he's a, a very exciting guy, a bit, bit of a different style, and uh, I really I really enjoy Wonder Boy. I always have uh, Derek Lewis. I always enjoy as well. Uh, <laughs> just the madness of the whole thing it's going to die down a little bit because of uh, his kind of shift to trying to be a, a proper martial artist oh, instead of being just, uh, just being Derek Lewis that we all know and love yeah. so hopefully we'll see some of the old uh, beloved uh, Derek Lewis and his craziness you know uh, Jake Matthews is another guy who I kind of had hopes for when he first came through he's a kind of guy who maybe in a way can't get out of his own way he's kind of loses fights that he's winning or that he should win um yeah it's kind of it's kind of slipping away from him you know uh it's a nice matchup here for him but um yeah i'm, I'm kind of disappointed with how how it's worked out for uh for Jake Matthews um yeah. for a pay-per-view card it's not really the most exciting um Ah, it's pretty exciting. Maybe there isn't as much name value apart from the main event, but Jesus. Yeah, uh, once you get to the once you get to the main card, it's pretty exciting. But yeah, uh, yeah for the the prelims, it's it's not very exciting. Besides, um, I'll, I'll take know, it. obviously the the Derek Lewis uh, prelim main event will hopefully be exciting. But as you move up the card, obviously Tony Ferguson and Bobby Green should be fun too. Quite crazy <laughs> individuals. Um, probably a bit of a trash talking going back and forth during the fight for as long as it lasts here uh, you know we talked about Tony Ferguson and it's maybe a, 
uh, how overrated he is and how hateable he is. And uh, Bobby Green over the years has been kind of hit and miss, but he's he's looked a bit more kind of um, polished. And I think you probably have too much for, for Tony here. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually um, finishes Tony, even though... Even though he's coming off, you know, um, a no contest clash of heads and uh, and uh, Drew Dober lost uh, KO loss himself. I just Tony Ferguson's taking a lot of damage. The game's kind of passed him by a little bit. I don't know if he's he hasn't improved in a long time. He's just been yeah. very hittable. And I, I, I think just, Bobby uh, Lee, yeah. yeah, I just think um, this could uh, this could be a, a bad night for Tony. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I think Bohovich will win that. I think his takedowns will be enough against Pereira. Ooh. I think. Big test for Pereira. Yeah, the first, yeah. first I think he has to play this really smart and immediately initiate some kind of grappling. No messing around. No, oh, let me wait for the opportunity here. Just, just make it happen at the uh, as soon as physically possible. <laughs> like get across that ring and get him, get him out of his out of his striking game, and at least make him think constantly about uh, not wanting to be on his back. I think. If Yang can get it to the black, it'll be it'll be a get a head to his back. I think it'll be a a pretty easy night for him. But it's it, it you know, I'm sure Alex is ready for that. I'm sure he has uh, counter shots to to this that he's that he's worked on to try and keep himself on their feet and deter his opponents from going for going for future takedowns. But yeah, I think um, it's basically just up to uh, if Yang doesn't go for it or can't get. An early takedown, I think he's in big trouble. But if he can, I, I think it's going to be an easy night. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he did it against Izzy. Like, Izzy doesn't have the power of Pereira, obviously. But, well, he knocked him out last time. But uh, I think Jan is an underrated kickboxer, and Sean Dini will probably be uh, cheering at home as he listens to that. But I, I don't. I think the power difference between Pereira and. Yeah, but I'm not saying get into a kickboxing match with him, but like, do what he did against Izzy. Don't bite on the fence. Don't get hit by the big shots and set him up. Let him throw. Be defensively good and then go for the takedown. Like, if you're just going for takedowns early, Pereira is going to be able to uh, read it a bit more. So, I don't know. I, I, I think, think push up against the cage at the very least early. Maybe, and, you know, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Um, and Pari Do you know what? I think I'm going to go back. I'm, I might do a rewatch this week and go back and watch that fight. And then we can, uh, we'll have a big preview on that over on our YouTube uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I feel like Gaethje's new kind of uh, newer technical game might actually benefit Poirier a little bit more. And I saw Gaethje talking this week as well about, oh, if he wins, he's probably not going to be able to turn around. And uh, the, look, the fight's not happening anyway. Charles Oliveira is fighting Makachev. Uh, but I don't know, it's all a very... Uh, Gaethje does say weird stuff all the time anyway, so maybe I am re- I shouldn't be reading into it. But I don't know, just the way he's talking a bit negative, and um, I, maybe I fancy Poirier coming to this one. But as I said, we'll have a big preview. Harry, Ian, I'll probably jump on with him as well, and we'll have a big chat about that one. So we'll be fun. Graham, two things before we go. Do you know who else was fighting this weekend? Jarrah Harris, great win. <laughs> Here we go. Great win over an Anthony Pettis' uh, promotion. He's a very good prospect. And Andreas Binder as well, fighting over an uh, LFL, I think it's called, isn't it? Uh, got a massive knockout. And he's another prospect. If people don't know him, he beat He won the belt, didn't he? Yeah. He did, yeah. Or he, did he defend it? He, he's the champion anyway. Uh, but he beat Ian Gary as an amateur as well. So, you know, he's the modern-day Joseph Duffy, I suppose you'd call him. But a very good fighter and a very good prospect as well. He's calling to get on the Bellator 
fight uh, uh, Dublin card and I, do you know what I think that'd be a great call Bellator have been looking for lads from I suppose uh, outside of, of SPG Ireland to, to fight uh, and from different parts of Ireland I think he's from Galway as well didn't he so that'd be great someone from the west of Ireland being on as well and uh, he absolutely deserves that so shout out to Andreas as well so Listen uh, to the old triangle if you haven't heard it. The lads talk about all things Irish MMA. Um, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube as well, please do. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Sean GNBA. Follow Graham at Severe MMA. And uh, please subscribe to this podcast feed wherever you're listening to it. And uh, we love you all. Thanks very much, Graham. See us out on a quote for the week. Oh, before you go, actually, who do you think will win the All Ireland? Limerick or Kenny? Jeez, I know nothing about uh, Come on, make a call. Uh, yeah, but um, as they are the man city of um, hurling, as you uh, told me last week, uh, I think Limerick will win. Brilliant. That's all. Give, give, us your, uh, give us your quote for the week. All right. My biggest mistake was loving you too much and letting you know, now you've got me where you want me. You won't let me go. No, no. That's fucking me with Limerick Hurling. We'll see you all next week, lads. Good luck.